Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Truly, these are the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And how nice it is to be in a beautiful, cool, (laughs) and might I say safe place that God's given us with this beautiful uh, air filtration system. We're so grateful. We are so grateful and glad to welcome each of you into the house of the Lord today. And we have a wonderful and thrilling passage that we're looking forward to looking at in Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Today's uh, edition of the Sermon on the Mount, we are taking bite-sized pieces. Sometimes we'll do several verses, but today only one verse. But this verse... uh, It's such a poignant verse, such a powerful verse, that really you could take uh, several Sundays, I think, to look at it fully. This is known typically as the the golden rule. We're going to call it the gold standard of justice. And so today's theme is this, the gold standard of justice is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now today we come to this statement which was made by our Lord and Savior while he was preaching the world's greatest single sermon. We are all familiar with this verse. And even though society lurches ever left and secular, No doubt even they have heard this principle. Now, one who is a Bible skeptic might say, well, there's really nothing special about our Lord's teaching here. It's a concept that others speak of. But a closer look at the Sermon on the Mount will reveal a profound difference from what the world and its best say about it and what Christ said. Consider for a moment the philosopher Confucius. Confucius was born in 550 B.C., or as they say, B.C.E. now. They don't like to say before Christ. They like to say before common era. But he was estimated to be the greatest of all Eastern teachers. There is no indication in his writings that he ever gave his life to the God of Scripture, And his core teaching was that to have peace, you have to look within. So certainly that's uh, unscriptural and off base. But the fact is, he did say a lot of good things, and his teaching are foundational to most Asian cultures. Now listen closely to what this sage said. What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Now, some would say, well, that's basically the golden rule. But my friend, that is a world away from what Jesus said. That statement is negative. It is passive. 
It is merely a don't do something. Jesus' principle, the golden rule, the gold standard of justice, is positive. It is active. In fact, it is dynamic. It is an important do. There are five powerful aspects of this gold standard that I want to share with you today, and I am looking forward to it. I believe this could be a transformational moment in the life, whether you're young or older. Well, I think one dad got a little mixed up in the golden rule. His daughter received a learner's permit, and so the father agreed to take her out for a driving lesson. Well, happy as she could be, she hopped in behind the driver's seat, but dad jumped into the back seat. She looked in the mirror and said, Dad, why aren't you sitting up front on the passenger side? Honey, I've been waiting for this ever since you were a little girl. Now it's my turn to sit in the back seat and kick the seat. <laughs> now, I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said, do unto others. <laughs> this morning, we're going to find out what God really meant by this powerful gold standard of justice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great truth. Lord, I admit, Lord, I feel ashamed even, Lord, that I didn't realize the depth really of this principle until this week, again, afresh, Lord, just to dig into it. And Father, this morning, I'm so thrilled to be able just to maybe dust off a little of the the old things that people forget, the power. Father, meet with us this morning, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Some have called this verse the Mount Everest of ethics. Unquestionably, it is the supreme standard for life. It is the gold standard for all human relationships. Now, there are five aspects I'd like to share with you this morning from this one verse that I just know if you will listen, it will change the way you view the rest of your life. First of all, let's look at the clarity of the principle. We're going to dig into the far-reaching impact of this powerful, profound truth. Verse number 12, let's in fact read it together if you would. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. As always, a reading here, public reading from the Beautiful and classic King James Bible. Let's all read it together and let's read it like we mean it here. Ready? Begin. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The plainness, the classic clarity, make this principle a powerful one that even a child can understand and comprehend. And yet while it is simple, it does not detract from its point and its power. Unbelievably and tragically so, it is often ignored. This one principle could solve almost every human relationship issue in a few uncomplicated steps. I was reading this week a business article. I one of my little pastimes is to read the business page. And I was reading that uh, more and more high-paying careers are looking for indicators of what they call soft skills on resumes that they read. 
The reason is because that many people appear to have hard skills or IQ to work on IT or whatever, but they find too many people are burnouts because they don't have EQ. They have IQ, but not EQ. EQ is emotional quotient. And so they look for ways to identify what the EQ is of those prospective people they're going to hire. They say that an EQ of 90 to 110 is average. Below 90 is considered not very many people skills. But above 110, they say that's, that's a high EQ to have. Well, let me just tell you this. A person who understood and applied the gold standard of justice known as the golden rule would blow those EQs off the map. They would be a hundred, they would be geniuses because it is absolutely the best way to treat others. One unnamed Bible scholar said this, this truth settles a hundred different points. It prevents the necessity of laying down endless little rules for our conduct in specific cases. The witty uh, author in the early to mid-1900s by the name of Coleman Cox, who inspired millions with his uh, Plain Talk series, wrote this. If we could make a great bonfire of the thousands of laws that we have in our country, that was about 100 years ago, <laughs> imagine now, and start all over again, listen to this, with just the golden rule, and the Ten Commandments, I am sure we'd be much better off. Amen and amen to that. Now let's remember the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is there standing on a mountainside in Galilee, probably overlooking the Sea of Galilee. He is speaking to his disciples. He has hundreds of villagers Maybe thousands. In fact, you may remember when we first started, uh, they have done an uh, estimation that Jesus could have spoken to over 100,000, could have heard him on a quiet day without the modern machinery sounds. The Bible even says he was speaking loudly. So there probably was a good number of people. And so there he was, the sandaled Nazarene, speaking to everyone. They were listening and hanging on every word he was saying. What was his theme? His theme were, if you want to get closer to God, then you've got to get to know him. You've got to understand his mind and his heart because he has a different kingdom. And so this kingdom that we're going to be part of is a royal kingdom. It's a kingdom that has different ways of doing things. And so what I'm going to tell you today, here's Jesus speaking, I'm going to tell you how to know God and how to deal with people. That's basically what we're going to talk about. In a related passage in Matthew chapter 22, the master teacher Jesus boiled down what the gold standard really looks like in everyday priorities. He proclaimed in Matthew chapter 22, that wonderful kingly gospel. Let's look at it. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, now here's what you need to do. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. It's great and it's first, first in priority, great in its uh, measure. 
Verse 39, and the second is like unto it. Different focus, but similar. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so if we were to take all of biblical revelation, we're talking thousands of verses now, you could boil them down basically to these two things. Just love God with all your heart and love people. I mean, that pretty much boils it down. Have a healthy relationship with your Father God and a truly loving, just relationship with people. Unless, however, we are rightly related to God, we cannot be rightly related to people. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He was saying, first, foremost, above everything, you've got to have a relationship with God. If you don't, frankly... All of your relationships with people are going to be tainted. You, you're not going to be able to fulfill the royal law. People sometimes think that you can do the golden rule without being a born-again Christian. You can't. Now, you can have some aspects of it. You can be generally a nice person, which is a good thing. But you really can't understand what love means. And I think as we go along, you'll get a sense of that. And that is one of the uniquenesses of the Lord's presentation of the golden rule. Now, some would say it's no different than what others have said. I would tell you it is profoundly different. Consider Buddha. Buddha was an Asian spiritual teacher born in Nepal about the 6th century BC. His idea was if you want to get to nirvana, whatever that is, it's a good place, then he said you have to do this. Whatever is disagreeable to yourself do not do unto others. So, well, okay, there's some good things to that thought. Then, of course, several hundred years later, the profound Greek philosopher Socrates said this. One of the most quoted of all of the first world, first century world philosophers. What stirs your anger when done to you by others, that do not do to others. A little more definite. Probably a little more far-reaching. And yet these statements are absolutely night and day from what Jesus said. Both of these statements are negative. They're passive. It's just something that you don't do. And at best, they're only mostly true. They don't always work. But Jesus' gold standard, always true. It always works, and it is dynamically positive and active. In best... What the world can offer is avoid doing to others what you do not want done to yourself. Now, keep in mind, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we've done over 25 messages now. Our wise Savior is constantly comparing. He's comparing the misguided standards of that day with the wise, accurate biblical standard. Essentially, the traditions of the day, whether they be secular or religious, they were just merely that, just traditions, and were wrong almost on every hand. Not one of them got any of it right. They came close to the truth sometimes, but in fact, every time came short. And sometimes the things that seemed to be minor were in fact major. For example, they were wrong about the law of God and its effect in our life. They were wrong about what true morality is. They were wrong about the reason behind and what we do with our possessions. 
And they were definitely wrong with what constitutes a gold medal in life. To them, as long as you followed any of their codes, and they just kept loading hundreds, thousands of codes and mandates for the people to follow. However erroneous, however uh, harsh they were, if you don't, you're not compliant, then you're not following this rule. And frankly, it had become a nanny state. It was absolutely weird. <laughs> and the, a lot of times the people had no idea the laws that were there. Are you listening? The laws seems, were so many that it's just, what in the world? There's no way to understand them all. For example, the Old Testament talks about the Sabbath day, a beautiful, wonderful principle that Scripture says in Colossians 2, Jesus, it was not a moral principle, although it had a great moral truth behind it. Jesus nailed that Sabbath day to the cross, and He established this first day of Christianity as the day of worshiping the Lord. But the Sabbath day had some wonderful principles to it. One of the things that God said was, set it aside, give God His time. And so they said, you shouldn't work. Well, so then they had to clarify what work meant. Well, can a wife cook or can a husband, you know, go out and get some food? And so in order to explain the Sabbath day, they came up with 39 subcategories. At the time of Christ, that's what they had. And then underneath those 39 subcategories, each one, several of them had thousands of laws, including how many steps constituted working, how many steps that you took, and how many letters you could actually read because you know reading really is working. And so um, they were absolutely crazy. Now, when Jesus came along and said, this is all nuts. You are creating a way where people can't even feel free to connect with God and love other people. But the political leaders of the day despised the worldview of Scripture. Because the scripture has always been a natural check to government's overreach. And so I say, as then, today, the gold standard for society has never been a whole list of mandates and laws that supposedly protect us and help us. No, if we would simply follow the positive power behind the gold standard of justice, where you put God first and you love people God's way, it would absolutely transform but our society. But our, the key is we must first take Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. By the way, on this matter, let me just say I commend this church. I bless you and praise you because you always just seem to display that great golden rule. And I just thank God for you. A clarity is seen then, it's seen now. The clarity of the principle, it is positive, it is powerful, it is dynamic, but it is something that is totally scriptural. And so we come now to the compassion of the principle. Let's see the bigger picture of what he's talking about. Verse 12 again, Therefore all things whatsoever I would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now where would any of us be if God responded to us how we responded to him. What if God gave us what we deserve, friends? The golden rule is much bigger than simply be a nice person. Considering who we are in the light of the holy and just God, there is only one thing that we deserve, and that is we 
truly deserve a life in hell. Not one of us deserves anything different than that. And that may sound harsh, but I will tell you, nobody was treated any more harshly than the most pure and loving person ever. That was Jesus Christ. I want you to consider just for a few moments as I go through just a, a little bit of background about the physical abuse that Jesus suffered on our behalf. And then I'll tell you why I'm speaking about this. We're speaking about the gold standard, the golden rule. Nobody understood the golden rule more than our Lord. When Jesus was falsely arrested, they had his hands bound tightly by ropes behind him. Anybody who's ever even been handcuffed for very long at all will testify it's very hard to have your hands behind your back for any period of time at all. Jesus then spent a sleepless night, mostly standing, at a trial before a kangaroo Jewish court. While he was there, he was spit on, blindfolded, slugged by members of the Congress, the Sanhedrin, as they were called. Then in Mark chapter 15, it says the guards buffeted him, means to beat him. And then after being pronounced guilty, falsely so, by the Roman authorities, it says in verse 17 of that verse, then they clothed them with purple and they plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. That crown of thorns then was hammered into his head. Verse 18, they began to salute him, hail king of the Jews. These soldiers, not little kids, struck him on the head. Verse 19, and they smoked him on the head, smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshiped him. After all of that, then Pilate ordered him to be flogged. Flogged meaning taking a whip, long tails of leather, oftentimes bits of lead or glass woven into the ends. They would then begin to drag it across the back. It was not uncommon for their entrails to fall out, to have an eye gone or other parts just removed. Then he was forced to carry a heavy wooden cross, many hundreds of feet. In 1870, French architect Charles de Fleury cataloged all the known fragments of ancient crosses and determined that the cross that Jesus was holding was probably 165 pounds. We're not talking about a smooth, sanded cross. We're talking about a rough-hewn beams rubbed Jesus' shoulders raw, as he drug it around, as he stumbled and fell on the rough streets, his elbows and knees and his feet were bloodied. And then on top of all that, the Bible says in Mark 15, 24, they crucified him. A death so horrible that it was not even allowed for human citizens, no matter what they committed. Hands and feet nailed to that wood, body suspended and naked, there above all to see. And now all of this, Why? so that he could take your sin and my sin. He would take it upon him and he would be sin for us so that we could be acceptable in the eyes of God by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. Jesus endured my place on the cross. He took my place and because his blood was divine blood, it was powerful enough to save us to the uttermost. No wonder the great hymn writer Isaac Watts wrote this. When I survey the wondrous cross, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet? 
or thorns compose so rich a crown. Now, I say again, where would any of us be had God responded to us in relationship to how we responded to him? People talk about the golden rule. Nobody displayed the golden rule any better than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He did for us what nobody would have done for him. What if God gave us what we deserve? The gold standard of life is treating others with mercy. The gold rule is not just a cute, well-meaning philosophy left for us, for the ancients. No, folks, it is about a core, prime directive in life. I love that wonderful hero of the underdog, Micah of the Old Testament. Micah, the pastor, the prophet, was giving a word at the time when Israel was absolutely imploding. Foreign Assyrian takeover was imminent. And he said to his brothers and sisters, all right, as we go forward, here is what God wants. Look at Micah 6 and verse 8. Here's what God's shown us. What do we do going forward? Oh man, what is good? What's the right thing? What's the good thing to do? What does the Lord require? That's what I want to know. What are the requirements for this? Well, here's what the requirements of life are. Do justly. Live with justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with God. There you go. There's the three things that God wants us to do. That's life in a nutshell. And my friend, that is the golden rule. That is a this is a restatement of the golden rule. That's exactly what it is. It is live with justice, be a merciful person and help others and walk humbly with God. Friends, that kind of an attitude just makes a huge difference in the world. James Cash Penny, J.C. Penny, started a general merchandise store in Kenimer, Wyoming in 1902. As he expanded and eventually built a million-dollar enterprise, he had one overarching guiding principle, the golden rule. In fact, many years, the J.C. Penny stores were called the golden rule stores. I think we even have a picture there. Why? Because it was Mr. Penny's belief that success would come by treating customers as they and as he would like to be treated. He also treated his employees the same way. He, in fact, called them associates. In 1971, when J.C. Penny died, it was the fifth largest department store in America. At that time, over 1,700 stores. I don't think it's that today, but the, the golden rule stores is what they were called. Always treat customers like you would like to be treated yourself. The clarity of the principle, the compassion of the principle, really, it just comes down to having the mercy of God in our spirit. Just like Jesus has shown us, then we ought to show that mercy to others. That's what really the golden rule is all about, is showing others the mercy of Jesus. And then number three, the certainty of the principle. Let's clarify what Jesus is really saying here. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would do that men should do to you, do even so to them. This is the law and prophets. Now, as I said earlier, every other command that you see written is negative and passive. But the golden rule is positive and active. It is a rule. It is a powerful law that put into practice has tremendous 
wonderful implications. Now, if someone were to ask you, do you love your wife? Or do you love your husband? And you were to say, uh, well, I never did anything bad to her. <laughs> now, friend, that doesn't mean you love her. The absence of something doesn't equal the presence of something. Genuine love is not just not doing things. It is actually doing things. Now, it's true in its negative form. It's a very common principle, and it can be found in all kinds of theological ideas and religion. In fact, I looked at a little chart. I saw Islam and Hinduism and just about every world religion has a form of the golden rule. But they are always to a one negative, and they are also weak in their um, how far they go. Because basically, it is a revelation of humanity's selfishness. Let me explain. The idea behind most times when you read that, don't do this because if you do it, they may do it to you. So, you know, do yourself a favor and don't do that. That's kind of the idea. My friend, that's really a selfish motivation. Let's say, for example, you get mad at somebody for tailgating. They're just right on your backside there. You're driving along and you say to yourself, well, I'll tell you one thing. When they pass me, I'm going to see how they like it and I'm going to get behind them and I'm going to go up there and I'm going to glare at them. And then wisely you have second thoughts and you don't do that. Good idea. Now, what restrained you? Was it love? Was it your love for your fellow man? No, it was not love for your fellow man. It was the self-serving negative principle of self-preservation. Because you know, anymore, people are absolutely lunatics out there on the road. And you just can't be mad at anybody. They'll just pull up next to you and shoot you. So my reasoning for not getting mad at somebody on the road is very rarely it's because that I love them and I don't want to say anything or do anything. It's really, I just don't want to get run off the road. And that's not a bad idea for sure. And I will tell you, people are so crazy, you might not always be who you expect out there. They're crazy. A man was being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy road. Suddenly, the light turned yellow right in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating woman hit the roof, and then she hit her horn, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through that intersection. As she was still mid-rant, she heard a tap on the window. She looked up into the face of a very serious-looking police officer. He ordered her to exit her car, proceeded to take her to the police station where she was searched and fingerprinted, photographed, placed in a holding cell. After a couple hours, he came back, approached the cell, opened the door. She was escorted back to the waiting desk there, the booking desk. The arresting officer was waiting with her for her with his her personal effects. And he said, well, I'm sorry for this mistake, ma'am, but I tell you, I, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn. You were flipping that guy off in front of you. You were cussing a blue streak. And then I looked and I saw on your bumper a sticker. What would Jesus do? And I looked up and I saw a cross hanging from your rearview mirror. And then I saw a chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on your trunk. So naturally, I figured that you had stolen the car. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, you may be surprised who's out there on those roads being crazy. Folks, we don't do 
and obey the law always because we have the golden rule of love in our heart. No, it's we just don't want to get in trouble or we don't want to get somebody kill us. Paul spoke very plainly to Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. Look what it says in verse 2. And I'm just going to kind of summarize that verse a little bit. For men, that means mankind, should be lovers of themselves. That's the basic people are always talking about, oh, this politician is... Uh, narcissistic, you know, or this person, or, folks, everybody's that way. All mankind are lovers of themselves. We, that's how we're cut. Verse three, but here's the bad thing. We're despisers of those that are good. People say, why, why are people so mad? Why does the crazy left media, CNN, corrupt news network, why do they keep always condemning good people? Well, the Bible says that's the nature of mankind. They despise anything good. And it's a sad commentary on us. They're lovers of their own selves, not lovers of others, not the golden rule. And that's what Jesus is saying here. How does that change then? Well, it changes when Paul, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. That law only changes when we get born again. Look at verse 5. That's when the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts. Every part of our heart now is filled with the Holy Ghost, which he's the one who puts that love in us. I've heard people say, you know what? When I got born again by Jesus, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I mean, it was just like a, like a, a switch went on. I, I just started having so much love for people. The love just was like a river inside of me. God's love coming from the heart, that comes from the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's exactly what the dynamic of the gold standard is. It is when God gets into our spirit and changes our life. And the moment we say yes to Jesus, it is a transformation. It's like when a beautiful lady will say yes to a marriage proposal. And then things change. And when we accept Jesus, our things change in our life. And that's what he's saying here. That when we accept Christ, there is a new love that just gets inside of our heart. And that's what the gold standard is, is when now outside of me, it is not just self-preservation. It's just not making sure that I don't get beat up by somebody in the car. Now I have love for somebody because Jesus put that in there. There is a compassion. There is a certainty of the principle. And then there is a coverage of the principle. Now let's look how far this principle extends. I mean, is this thing we do in church, uh, maybe your family, but you know, we can't do the golden rule other places. Well, let's look at verse 12. Therefore, all things. What? No, I think I'll take that right out of there. All things I'm supposed to have the golden rule in? Yep, all things. Whatsoever. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? All things whatsoever, everything I'm supposed to apply, the golden rule. Yep. The standard would have been much easier had Jesus said, well, in your religious life and when you're going to church and when you're, you know, with people of faith, well, you know, have the golden rule, but any place else, I mean, dog eat dog. No, that's not what he says. He said, all things whatsoever. He'd say, well, pastor, you can't apply to when... They cancel my flight or when they lose my luggage. 
No, God says everything. He didn't offer any kind of an option or conditional requirement at all. Now, I want you to look at the word right before there. You've probably never considered that. But that is absolutely, in fact, it may be just the most important part of this verse. Therefore. Therefore. What? It is a very critical bridge to this truth. Now, remember, we have said, whenever there's a therefore, there's a before. It wouldn't be there unless he's wanting us to look back. So Jesus said, now, for a moment, I want you to remember now, Though this sermon has broken up Jesus' sermon, they didn't have that moment. Jesus had just finished talking about prayer. If you want to get answers to prayer, if you want to get a hold of the God of heaven, then there are three things you've got to do. Ask, seek, and knock. And then he gives a couple illustrations about giving your child bread or a fish, you know. But the principle there back in verse number seven and eight, So he is connecting prayer to the golden rule. Unless we pray for others, we don't apply the golden rule. Jesus is saying, look, you can always feel free to apply the golden rule in any situation, whether it be in church, whether it be in your home, whether it be in business, whether it be out in the world. It makes no difference. If you will apply the golden rule, give Give, 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 give. Keep giving, giving mercy because of Jesus. Giving mercy. If you will keep doing it, wait, but I'll I'll run out of resources. I'll run out of money. I'll run out of everything. No, you won't. Well, how, how can I not run out if I keep giving? Because if you'll ask your father, and remember now that's in the linear sense, ask, asketh, asketh, Beautiful uh, phrasing there. Ask, ask, seek, seek, knock, knock, ask, 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 knock, 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 seek, seek, seek. If you will do that, God will just keep pouring out to you and then you can keep applying the golden rule. Folks, without the understanding of prayer, this verse means nothing. That's why all the concepts of out there, religious world, and all these uh, supposed sages that tell us, well, it's nothing critical about it, nothing interesting about it. Folks, this is absolutely a far cry from some guru and a get-up out there. It is so different. I read in a fascinating uh, excerpt from an article, a study, called The Altruism Paradox. The Altruism Paradox is a principle of the golden rule was, and it's, uh, and if they could prove it and its benefit to mankind was taken on by Bernard Rimland. He was a director of Institute for Child Behavior Research. And here was his conclusion. His was a thesis statement. The happiest people are those who help others. And here's what they did. Each person involved in the study was asked, name 10 people you know Name 10 people you know and categorize them as basically happy or basically not happy people. Name 10 people and then categorize them just basically so, happy or not happy. Then go back through the list 
and then label each of those people as those that lean towards selfishness or those that lean towards unselfishness. And in categorizing the results, they found that every single one of the people that they had labeled as happy were also labeled as unselfish. The fact of the matter is people who are devoted to bringing themselves happiness are actually the least happy. But those who are applying the golden rule and giving are the most happy. That's why this is the gold standard. And when we apply it, wherever we are, God says it will bring you happiness and it will spread the love of God everywhere. It is a powerful principle. There is the clarity behind this, the compassion in it that really points to Jesus Christ and the certainty of it. It works every time. It is positive and powerful and dynamic and the coverage in all things whatsoever. And then now, finally, the champion of the principle. Now, many might say that, well, this is just a standalone verse, a standalone principle, something that a sandaled rabbi from Nazarene advocated. Absolutely not. And let's look at the last part of this verse. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you so also to them. Now listen to this, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, I am sure that that fried the biscuits of those religious leaders at that moment. Jesus was absolutely surrounded by skeptics. They were refusing to believe that he was absolutely the Bible's Messiah. Those religionists were saying to the people, yeah, that crazy rabbi Jesus, he's a lunatic. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? Golden rule, that's childish behavior. Where did he get such things? Jesus said, uh, the Bible. I got it from the Bible. What? Yep. Got it from the law. Got it from the prophets. The law and the prophets was an all-encompassing phrase. Now, technically, you could say, well, he's referring to the first five books of the Bible and the prophets. He didn't, he missed the historical books and the poetical books, but really it's an all-encompassing statement. It means all of the Bible that they had at that moment, which was the whole Old Testament. And so Jesus was saying, all of Scripture validates exactly what I'm saying. Let's just take for a moment the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20. The last part of that says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. What are those things? Those things are all simply a summation of what we had seen earlier. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Make sure that you don't steal from anybody. Make sure that you don't covet. And these are all things that are just really outgrowths of the golden rule. If you don't want them to kill you, then don't kill them. If you don't want them to steal for you, don't steal from them. Don't lie about you. It is an expansion of what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. I love what James, that wonderful blue jeans epistle. I always love James. Well, you always feel so practical. I want to get out there and build something and do something when I read the book of James. I get convicted too. But in James chapter 2 and verse number 8, he said, fulfill the royal law. The royal law? What in the world? 
That's Scripture. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What he's talking about is, in God's kingdom, there are different laws. On this earth, you have these certain laws. If you go to another country, there are certain laws. But in this country, we have certain laws. But in God's kingdom, since he's a king and it's a kingdom, it's a royal law. What is the royal law? The royal law is simply love. Love God and love people. That's what he's talking about. It's just the golden rule. What is the royal law? James says it's the same thing. It's just, it's just loving God with all your heart and loving others the same way. Look at what Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 13. First of all, he said, verse 8, he said, Oh, no man, anything. By the way, if you ever wanted to do a little study about uh, what the, uh, the bad things about debt, you'll find there are five Greek negatives in that one little sentence there. It says something like, never, no, never, not one time, ever, never owe anybody. It's something like, it's just amazing. But anyway, so he's saying, be wise about your money. Don't owe everybody, you know, a bunch of money. But rather, love them. Okay, I should love people, not owe a bunch of money and just, you know, spend it and all that. Okay. Why should this, you do this? Because when you've done that, you fulfill the law. Now, let me just very quickly point out, he was not saying we don't need the law. Now, we have a bunch of hippie Christians anymore that feel like that uh, all we need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. And so, if that's all we need, we don't need the Bible. We certainly don't need the Old Testament. But Jesus is simply saying, when you truly love your neighbor... You have fulfilled the essence of God's beautiful word. In fact, he clarified that even more a couple of verses down, verse 10, Romans 13, verse 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. People say, oh, the Bible is so complex. It's so many rules. It's so much. It's just so much in the Bible. Okay, let's just do it this way. Love. There you go. That's the Bible. Love. That's it. Love. The whole Bible. One word. Love. <laughs> there you go. Oh, the Bible is so complicated. Okay, I'll, we'll get it down to where all of us can get it. Love. Do you love your brother? Do you love your sister? Are you loving to your wife? Loving to your husband? Are you loving to others in this world? Are we showing love? The Bible is so complicated. Folks, nothing complicated about that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Period, paragraph, put a fork in it. That's exactly what it is. It is done. God says that's exactly, if we will do that, it will govern all relationships. Now, some have accused Jesus of borrowing the idea of a golden rule from Eastern religions. Interesting, wrong thought. They're thinking that Jesus borrowed it from Buddha or from Confucius. Hmm, let's go back to the Bible and see if that's might not be true. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Here we find God giving the law again, the beautiful holy law to Moses. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of the people, but what? Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Now folks, the law was given in 1400 BC. That's about a thousand years earlier than Buddha or Confucius or 
So much, folks, how crazy. I wonder who got it from whom, really. Now, secondly, the actual teachings of these world's leaders who proclaim to have the golden rule is really not as innocent as you might be led to believe. The law of payback, the law of you know, reciprocation to people is not really that nice. In fact, I was chatting with Pastor Mike last year about uh, karma. One of the fellows I had golf with was saying, oh, that's karma, you know, you have a good shot, then you're going to put the next one in the water or something like that. That's karma. I was asking Pastor Mike about karma, which is a Hindu principle. Now, many people laugh about karma, but the truth of the matter is it is not really as good as it may seem. Here's the karma principle of time. When a bird is alive, it eats ants. When a bird is dead, the ants eat the bird. One tree makes a million matchsticks. It only takes one match to burn down a million trees. And so the Hindu law is don't devalue or hurt anyone in life because time and circumstances can change at any moment and making the master the slave. But in reality, the Hindu doctrine of karma is evil. For example, do you know why there are, one of the reasons, not all the reasons, but one of the reasons why there are so many destitute in India living on just pennies a day? Do you know why? Because the upper caste won't help them. Why won't they help them? Because they feel like that karma has said, has decreed that these people are bad. They did something bad or their relatives did something bad in a former life. And so they're in this because they're meant to be there. It's just the law of karma. My friend, it's left to Christians like Brother Mike and like the home church and others who stand for these people and love them and help them. I'm telling you, folks, the golden rule is far from karma. It is so much better. It is so much deeper. It is so much more merciful and loving. The golden rule is positive, positive and dynamic. And it always works. This world's concepts rarely work. And even the best thoughts don't hold up. In fact, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, when he was gathering his disciples together in John chapter 13, he said, when I'm going to be gone. And you're going to be in this world. But here is the characteristic that it's going to be about you. And people will know that you're a Christian by your love. John 13, verse 35. That's how people will know you. Not because you have a cross around your neck or not because you, what you say, but they will know if you're a Christian because you're a loving person. Because you apply the gold standard of justice. You are a loving person. And when you're a loving person, it makes a huge difference in this world. Living the golden rule sounds maybe simple, but the truth is living out the gold standard of justice requires letting the love of Christ be shed abroad in your heart. It means, first of all, accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, letting Him be shed abroad in your heart, and then displaying Calvary love to this world. And it very likely involves, at some point, moral courage. Exactly like what history records happened in March of 1943. In Eastern Europe, there's a little area known as Bulgaria. These Bulgarian Christians displayed 
golden love, the golden rule, as few have in modern century. Not unlike what Joel and Lorianne are doing in their mission to Ukraine. Bulgaria had become aligned with the Nazis. They had received orders from Berlin to begin to implement the heinous final solution, as it was called, which, of course, was the extermination of the Jewish people. The king of Bulgaria and the parliament did not want to fulfill the order, but felt like they were pressed to do so. And so hundreds of railroad cars lined up to take away the Jewish people. They gathered them out of three of the local towns and placed them behind chain-link fences in local schools. People would walk by and these precious Jewish people, moms and dads with their children, crying out to their neighbors, please help us. Please don't let them do this. When a Christian, Orthodox Bishop Kurel, said, we cannot let this happen. And he said, I will lay my body on those tracks. They will run over my body. We will not let them take these people. Soon others began to speak out and then sir, members of the parliament. Then hundreds, it turned into thousands of people laid on the train tracks saying, you will not take these Jewish people. When the German ambassador to Bulgaria on June 7th wrote back, 1943, wrote back to Berlin. Here's what he said. The Bulgarian people lack the ideological enlightenment we have, but instead follow the teachings of Jesus. Yes, when you follow the teachings of Jesus, you love others. There are 49,000 Jews in Bulgaria. Not one single one was killed by a Nazi. Because it was people who took seriously the golden rule and had the moral courage to say, we're going to love others. The golden rule, so much more than we would ever imagine. It is positive. It is powerful. It is displaying the love and mercy of Jesus. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. To- we hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.